Welcome to the podcast from In Church, Phoenix. This message is, The Excitement of Sharing Salvation, with Pastor Scott Dawkins. October 17th, 2017. As, as I'm just worshipping with, with everybody else here, just how lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord of hosts, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, or another version would say, as they go through the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. This year we've been looking at, at seven uh, strong strong steps. And uh, so far we've just got up to, uh, we started the fifth one actually, this month, we've talked about submit your life. Uh, when we when we learn and when we come to God and we submit our life to Him, uh, that's a, there's a real strength that is built in us, and we can do that. Second one, to seek God passionately and personally. You know, you can't have your relationship with God for me, and I can't have your relationship with God for you. We we do this. We seek Him personally and passionately. The fourth one, to show Christ's character. The fifth one that we, sorry, the fourth one that we talked about was to say God's word, that, that what God says, to speak out his truth, to declare his truth in our situations, to be able to confess those things in the middle, like what Sam was talking about earlier, with the, the kind of weeks that we can have sometimes, and to, to say, okay, which, which voice am I going to give voice to? What words am I going to speak out and live my life? I'm going to go according to the people who want to pull me down and discourage me or do I want to go to what God says about me? So when we can say God's word in those situations, and this month we've been talking about share your faith. And uh, so let's pray and then we'll get into the word here. Lord God, I thank you for, Lord, your word. And I pray today, Lord, that as I share uh, Lord, that I pray that it would be the words that you would want us to hear today. Lord, I pray that as we as we look at your word, Lord, I pray that the seed would go into our lives, Lord, and bear much fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to tell you, start off with a little story about the, the day Sam and I got engaged. And I lived about five hours away from where Sam was. Sam was at college in a town called Bathurst, which is actually where I grew up. But I had my first job, so I was out of university, so I was like five hours away. So we had one of those relationships where it was just like, you know, they talk about distance makes the heart grow fonder. I don't know if that's true or not. I just knew it sucked. It was bad. And uh, anyway, I had bought the wedding, the, the engagement ring for Sam I'd been saving up for it, and that's a whole other story as well, but I'd been saving up for the ring and paying it off little bit by little bit, and I finally had it, and I knew in my mind the day I was going to propose to Sam. Now, I had to go and talk to her dad because I wanted to do things right, but 
they lived even further away. So I thought the best I can do in this situation is to is to call him. And so I'd leave my town where I was living then, a place called Albury. And there's about five towns along the way from Albury to Bathurst. And I thought, okay, I'm going to call him when I get to the first town and talk to him and see if I have his blessing or not. And, uh, and then later on go ahead with the plan. So I drive up to the first town and I get so nervous. I mean, if you've met Sam's dad, he's he's great guy, lovely guy. So it's not that he was going to be mean. I was just so nervous. I was like, and so I chickened out. I thought, ah, oh, there's another town coming up. Because this isn't a day before mobile phones. Okay, so I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but I didn't have a mobile phone I could just pick up and say, hey, I um, had to stop and use one of those old pay phones. So I get to the second town and I can see, I knew where it was and I could see it coming and I'm getting closer and I'm getting closer and my nerves are getting worse and worse. Ah, there's another town. So I went on to the next town. Came to the third town, the same thing happened. Came to the fourth town, the same thing happened. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Time's running out. And, uh, and I get to Bathurst, which I should have had made the phone call already, but I even get to Bathurst and where my parents lived there. And I thought, I can't call them, can't call Sam's dad from my parents' house because then everyone's going to know. So I go down to a payphone, finally get the courage, and I go down to a payphone and, and I call Sam's dad and we have the conversation and he was really nice and gave his blessing, everything like that. And so later that night, we went up on uh, this mountain in Bathurst. There's a really well-known V8 car race there. Uh, on Mount Panorama. So we went up there, such a really nice view at night time, and, and I asked Sam to marry me. I kind of did the sly thing. I had the, had the ring, and I was kind of holding her hand and just playing with her hand a little bit and uh, very discreetly put the ring on her finger. Anyway, that's, that's all. That's nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about today. And she said yes, which is why we're here today. And, um, but that, that, you know, that, that sense of excitement, I don't, there's probably other situations in your life where you've experienced something like that, where something amazing like that has just happened. And now, and then we get back and we start telling everybody, Sam calls her parents and I tell my parents and everyone's happy and we're starting to call friends and we, and we have so much excitement that we, it wasn't that we have to tell people. You didn't have to try and convince us, hey, you should go and tell. No, we, we were telling anyone who would listen. We, hey, where are we getting married? We're getting married. You couldn't contain the excitement that we had. Now, no one else is probably excited as we were, so we probably started to annoy people after a while. But we were so excited that we were getting married. Have you ever had that news that was so exciting to you that you just had to tell people? That you just couldn't contain it. You had to go and tell someone. Maybe you got that new job or maybe you got a promotion. Maybe you got engaged. Good news. There's, there's so many things in our life that we get excited about and we want to tell people. Maybe there's a, a baby on the way or that night the baby sleeps through the night for the first time and you want to shout it from the rooftops. How about the day you met Jesus? How about... That day, when you believed in him and received his salvation and you were free from, from sin, it, 
It was the day your whole life and your whole eternity changed. It was the day the good news became your greatest news. And I want to read one of my favorite, favorite accounts of someone meeting Jesus. And I was actually saying to Godwin this morning, of all the Bible passages that I've preached from, this is probably the one that I've preached out of the most. It's one of my favorites in John chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize him, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And so she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if only, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? So Jesus is obviously speaking spiritually, but this woman is still thinking naturally. Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks the water, well, this water, pointing to the well, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And I won't have to come here to get water. I want you to remember those words. Just kind of mark that in your mind. Because there's a reason why she didn't want to come to that well. And Jesus knew what it was. So verse 16, Jesus says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So I want to go back to those words that I said before. Because as was, the, as was the custom of the day, the women would go to draw water from the well, but they wouldn't do it in the middle of the day. The middle of the day was the hottest part of the day. So they would go in the morning when it was a lot cooler. So when they had to walk up there, and I, mean, I don't know if it's similar to our climate here, but can you imagine doing that in summer, having to go and get water? You'd be doing it when it was cooler. And so the women of the village would go in the morning, but this woman didn't go in the morning with the other women. She went in the middle of the day because of her reputation, because she'd been married five times, because her current living situation. She was shamed by those around her. She was embarrassed, perhaps. 
Um, she had she had a reputation that she she wasn't liked. She wasn't welcome to hang out with the other women. So she would go in the middle of the day. So no wonder she's saying to Jesus, "Hey, can you give me this living water because I am so tired, not physically, but." But I, I imagine every time that she would walk out in the middle of the day, she'd feel all that shame all over again, all that embarrassment all over again. The reason why she's going in the middle of the day is because of her reputation, because of what people are now saying, because of all the things, all the baggage of the past, all those things. Every time she goes in the middle of the day, it's like a constant reminder every day, that's your life, that's your life, that's your life, that's your life. And so no wonder she's saying to Jesus, can you give me, this water, so I don't have to come back to this well again. I don't, I don't want to be thirsty again. And so Jesus, so graciously, he gets to the heart of the matter and he tells her about the life, but with so much grace. And next verse says, Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped. And so she's asking this question because when we think worship, we think coming in and, and maybe coming together and, and praising and singing. And But for, for them, worship was a very different thing. There may have been singing and there may have been things that were happening with instruments and so forth, but a big part of their worship was getting right with God. It was the the sacrifice. It was the atonement sacrifice. It was going there and, and having the sacrifice made and then being cleansed of your sin. So this is why they're saying that the, the place of, of worship. And Jesus says, believe me, dear woman, the, the time is coming when it no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming the one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. And just then, the disciples came back. What an interaction. It's one of my favorite accounts in the Bible. I've read it a hundred times, preached it from many times, but even all those times, I still feel like I'm just scratching the service of everything that's going on here. From Jesus asking the Samaritan woman, can you please give me a drink, to this declaration, I am the Messiah. And now, as if on cue, he comes to the disciples with the food that they bought in the Samaritan woman's village. And the next verse says, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking with her? In other words, we know why this woman doesn't get her water in the morning. We know that she has issues. We know that she has acted inappropriately. We know that she isn't a godly woman. Culturally, that was just the way that she was viewed in the day. 
So they obviously wanted to ask those questions. What are you doing talking with her? But they didn't have the courage to ask. The next verse says, The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I don't. I kind of made reference to it before. That day that, that you met Jesus, I remember that day for me. I was in my senior year of, of high school. I was in 1990. And uh, I'd grown up in a Christian family. I'd been to, to kids' church. I'd been to Sunday school. I'd done all those things. I went to youth, and, I, and they were all great. And I, and I, I guess I, I was a Christian in terms of my understanding at the time. But I know that in 1990, something very different happened. I think Jesus before then had been my Savior, but maybe not my Lord, if I could explain it that way. I don't even know if that's scripturally correct. I'm just trying to convey how I was at that moment. Because on that Easter camp in 1990, I sat there with a whole lot of my friends, 50 or 60 of us, and the speaker was speaking and he's talking about Easter. And, uh, and, and what he's saying is starting to get to me. He's talking about Jesus and he's talking about what Jesus had done for me. He talked about how Jesus had died for my sin and, and, I, and all the sin that I, that I knew that, was, that, I, that I had done, that I'd been, I was all in my mind. And he's talking about sin uh, and, and knowing that the, the, pri- the, the wages of my sin is death. But, and, and so I'm starting to hear this account of what he's talking about and talking about how Jesus came so that I wouldn't have to die, that Jesus died for me. And I just, I got overwhelmed in that moment. And I guess I finally got it. Maybe I finally understood what it is that, that Jesus had done for me as much as I could understand it. And then it came to the time of the, the altar call. And uh, so he asked us all to, to close our eyes and to, and to bow our heads and so we did, and I and I knew something was different. I knew I had to respond somehow, some way. And he said, on the count of three, if you want to become a Christian today, if you want to give your life to Christ, you're going to raise your hand when I get to three. And now I'm in a predicament because, like I said, all of these kids that I was with, 50, 60 of them, I had grown up with. They all knew me. I knew them. And, and I was supposed to have been a Christian already, it would not look good if I raised my hand and said, I want to become a Christian because then, like, are you thinking that I've been living a lie all these last years? So I was, I was very self-conscious and I, and I was having this internal struggle. Do I raise my hand? Do I not raise my hand? Do I? But all I could think about in the midst of all of that was what Jesus had done, what Jesus had done, what he'd done. And so I thought, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. I want to raise my hand. So with all our eyes closed and my head's bowed, I raised my hand. And he said, thank you, you can put your hand back down. And I'm thinking, man, I'm just, I was just the only one who raised my hand just then. And he said, I want to do something else. On the count of three, I guess he liked three. <laughs> he said, I'm going to, if you raised your hand, I want you to come down the front. Okay, now I don't get to hide. Now, now it's not anonymous anymore. But I was bold. I was just like, man, today is the day. So I, on the count of three, one, two, three, I stood up with about 40 other kids. And all 40 of us, there's probably only maybe 10, 15, 20 left who didn't come forward. 
But 40 of us got up and went forward that day to give our lives to Christ. And that was the greatest day. That was the day the good news became my greatest news. And so this woman, just read read this verse. She Just after Jesus says, I am the Messiah, she left her water jar and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up. And look around, the fields are already ripe for harvest. You just envisage the, the village streaming out towards Jesus. And Jesus saying, disciples, lift your eyes up, like, wake up. Here comes the harvest now. Here comes the people now. So I guess it was a little teaching opportunity for the disciples here. Wake up, look around. Look around at what? Look at the people streaming from the village to see him. I want you to consider this. The disciples had spent months with Jesus. The Samaritan woman had spent minutes with Jesus. The disciples had traveled a lot with Jesus. The Samaritan woman had walked alone in her shame to sit with Jesus. The disciples had sat on many mountainsides being taught the word of God by Jesus, who is the word of God. The Samaritan woman had sat by a well for a few moments encountering the personification of grace and truth and abundant life. The disciples walked to the village and brought back food. The Samaritan woman ran to the village and brought back the village. I called the message today, Run Like a Samaritan. You've heard of Walk Like an Egyptian. I've called this message, Run Like a Samaritan. She ran. She ran there. Why did she run? Because she just had been given the greatest news. She just received the news. She just met with Jesus. And so she ran. The disciples went back and got food and brought it back. She went back and got a village and brought a village back. The village, The disciples went to the same village as the Samaritan woman. They had known Jesus much longer than the Samaritan woman, but they just brought back some food. I'm thinking that they could have gone into the town, into the village, to tell people, hey, village, you come out to the well. There's a guy you need to meet. You need to come and meet Jesus. The disciples who'd seen him do all the miracles and they've heard his teaching and, and have listened to what Jesus had to say and about who he is. And the disciples should have known better, or at least more, than the Samaritan woman. But all they did was just walk into the village, get some food. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And then walk, walk back, never telling people, hey, you should come and see Jesus. The Samaritan woman, she's with Jesus at the well, and she hears 
I'm the Messiah. And she's like, oh, man, I've got to go. And so she runs back to the village. Hey, you've got to come and see this guy who's told me everything that I've ever did. Like, really? Everything you've ever done? Everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? And she convinced them. And then you see this stream of people coming to Jesus. The disciples walked. She ran. They brought lunch. She brought a village. They needed to go for physical food. She had to go for spiritual food. Before we beat up too much more on the disciples, they remind me a lot of me sometimes. That I can get so used to to my relationship with Jesus that the joy of my salvation is little more than a memory of the day that I gave my life to Christ 27 years ago. I can take my salvation for granted sometimes. I can get so used to knowing that I'm forgiven that I can get too comfortable and relaxed in my Christian life. Now, what started out as a as something that was overwhelming and a blessing that I couldn't wrap my mind around that Jesus would do that for me has and can become over years and years and years of, oh yeah, Jesus is my savior. Thanks, Jesus. Cheers, mate, as we would say in Australia. It can get blasé. It can get too comfortable. You can lose the the wow. You can, you can lose the wonder of what Jesus has done. You can lose the gratitude of what Jesus has done because just day by day, I'm just going around about my Christian life. I'm not necessarily living bad, doing bad things. I'm not, not talking about that, but... But I'm, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Went to church this week. And, and, but sometimes, somehow in the middle of it, I've lost that same excitement that the Samaritan woman ran with to tell someone about what Jesus has done. Maybe I can be like the disciples sometimes where I can go into the village, so to speak, and, and be talking to people and be doing business and, and buying lunch and, and then going about my way. But I wonder if the Samaritan woman would do it differently to me. Having just met Jesus, I wonder if she would go into that same place and, and, and maybe buy lunch or whatever she's there to do. And, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? Can I, can I tell you about what he's done for my life? Can, can you see the difference? I think in me sometimes I can, I can get too comfortable in, in my Christianity. I can get too comfortable in my relationship with him. And you know, we, we don't just see that in a relationship with God. We see it in our relationships with one another too. Husbands and wives, fathers and sons and moms and daughters. When we, we see it, we can get complacent sometimes in the relationships that matter the most. Just because of time, just because of things that go and then we don't realize how much that person meant until the person's gone. We need we need to stir up this this salvation. I, I, David said in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me, Lord, the joy of your salvation. Because somewhere along the line, he lost the joy. Somewhere along the line, we can lose our joy. We can be like those disciples that are just going about and getting the food. We can, or we can be like the Samaritan woman who has all the joy has all the joy. It doesn't matter anymore what her past looked like because she just met the Savior. She just met the Redeemer. She just met the Messiah. She just met the one who came to take away all her sin. That's who she met. 
And so the joy of her salvation, she can't hold it in anymore. I want to be more like that. I want to be more like the Samaritan woman who runs. Run like a Samaritan. Remember the joy of your salvation. Remember daily what Jesus has done for you. Be grateful every day for the cross and the reason why Jesus died for you. It's the difference between bringing Jesus physical food and bringing Jesus spiritual food. It's the difference between the disciples walking and the Samaritan woman running. It's the difference between living lukewarm or living hot. It's the difference between knowing you should share the gospel and looking for people that you can talk to Jesus about. You know, we all know as Christians, we've said this many times, you've heard it many times, probably most of you like, we know as Christians, yeah, we should. We should tell people the gospel. We, we kind of know it. We get it. We read it. But are we, we, we may not be that excited maybe about it as maybe we once were. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So let's get back to Jesus and the disciples here in John 4, starting with verse 36. The, the harvesters, this is Jesus talking now, just following on from where we were before. The harvesters are paid good wages. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? What joy awaits us? What joy awaits? I mean, that Samaritan woman, she had enough joy for herself. But I wonder what sort of joy she felt after she saw the whole village come out to meet with Jesus. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plant and another harvest. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant and others had already done the work. And now you will get to gather the harvest. Now we've been talking about sharing our faith and now is the time. It always has been the time and until the day Jesus comes back, it always will be the time to bring people to Jesus. I want to close with this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 19. This is Paul talking. He says, Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I Two lived under that law. Even though I am not subjected to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Who are we bringing? Can I put the challenge out there? Who are we bringing? Who can we bring? Who can we bring this week? Who Can we be like that Samaritan woman who runs and says, hey, come and see, come and see a man. Come with me. I'll show you the way. I'll pick you up. I'll drive you there. Whatever it is. Who can we bring? Because people need to know. 
people need to know Jesus. I don't want to be like the disciples who uh, went to the village and didn't even see the opportunity that they had. I want to be like the Samaritan woman. I want to be grateful every day for the salvation that I have. You know, I never earned it. I could never have earned it. We could never have earned it. Everything that Jesus did for us was what we could never have done for ourselves. Living with that gratitude every day keeps the joy of our salvation alive. So when we're talking with the people, inviting people, there may have been people in your mind right now as we're just talking this morning, how would I want to invite them. I want to invite my neighbor. I want to invite my family members. I want to invite the, someone that I work with. I want to invite different people to come along because they'll hear. And then when they hear the gospel, they'll hear words that will bring life to them, eternal life to them. You remember the day that you became a Christian? Do you remember that sense of overwhelming gratitude that you know the, the old hymn amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see that saved a wretch like me i could never have saved myself and that day that i became a christian i realized that I realized that my good words, my good deeds, my good things, that, I, that, that was never going to help me out. That was never going to make me right with God. It was only Jesus who came and died for my sin that I could have this relationship with him only because of Jesus. Nothing else, no one else, only because of Jesus. And I know a lot of people in this room, but I don't know everyone in this room. And if you're here today and you'd say, Scott, I want that day to be my day today. I want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I, I don't want to live the way that I've been living anymore. The choices that I've been making, some of them have been bad. I know I haven't been living how God wants me to live, and I know I haven't even been living how I want to live. I know that I've done things that God's not happy about, that His Word says is sin. But I also know that Jesus died for my sin on my behalf, so that I could live in heaven forever, that I could have relationship with him every day. Can I ask you all to pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me in my place for my sin so that you could be my Lord and my Savior. Today, is a new day and I want to live my life for you in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to the podcast we hope it blessed and encouraged you join us live on Sunday or at our midweek connect small group meetings in North Phoenix Arizona